The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Green Scene on The Pat Kenny Show with AIB, working alongside Irish communities towards a low carbon future. We pledge to do more. Dr. Ruth Freeman is with us. She is, of course, Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland. And we are starting, Ruth, with fish, specifically fish that generate their own sun cream. I know. I thought this was a good story to talk about as as moms and parents all over the country are slapping sunscreen all over their kids because this is new work that's looking at how zebrafish, these these little fish that live in tropical water, protect their embryos because fish can get damaged from UV light just just like we can. And of course, in in vertebrates and like fish and us, there are things called melanophores and they produce our melanin, which gives us a tan. But little fish embryos don't have any of them. So scientists have been wondering for years how these little embryos get protected. Now they had found uh, this clear compound called gadgesol about 40 years ago. They thought it had something to do with protecting fish and maybe other aquatic species from UV but they didn't really know a lot about it. So this is work from the University of Utah and what they did was they got female zebrafish they mutated the gene that produces this chemical gadgesol. It's called the EEVS or the Eves gene. So they took that out and then these mother fish had baby fish and they normally the egg would be loaded up with gadgesol, but these there was no gadgesol. And what they found was these little baby fish did not do very well. A, a sign of health for a fish is that a, a little thing called a swim bladder inflates at about five days. These little fish, it didn't happen. And only about 2% of the embryos survived for 28 days. So they did not do very well. And when they exposed these these little embryos to sun or to UV rays, um, they, 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 they could actually see that their DNA became damaged. So this is an amazing example of these mother fish providing a protection, these, these gadgesol loaded eggs, so that their little embryos are protected from UV until they become big enough to make their own melanin and protect themselves from the sun. I have to say, I'm slightly fixated on the fact that the research was done by a university into tropical fish, which itself is buried in the middle of a desert <laughs> miles from the nearest ocean. Does it have any implications for human health? Is this the kind of thing where we can say, well, we can formulate our own version of Gadgesil? Yeah. Well, we, we may well. And the reason why we use zebrafish is they are sort of the geneticist's favourite fish because they're very easy to manipulate. The embryos grow quickly. You can see inside the egg. So, so they're, they're a sort of model species for vertebrate genetics. They're but, sort of the fruit fly of the fish world. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and of course, it is interesting because what they did also is they've taken this gene that produces Gadgesil and put it into yeast. And of course, yeast is a very close relation of ours actually so yeast is also a very good system for us and and these yeast can produce gadgesol so so researchers are wondering could we perhaps produce a pill where we might be able to get sun protection from from the inside out or could this actually be just a really really effective sunscreen that we could put into other kinds of products um, so so really interesting but but of course this led me to think they're not the only animals that produce their own sunscreen and and one thing that's fascinating is that hippopotamuses also produce their own sunscreen in this very special kind of sweat. So they produce a sweat that has two pigments in it. One is red and one is orange. And I think actually if you, if you look at pictures of hippos in Africa, you can sometimes see this colouring running down their skin. And amazingly, the red pigment is like an antibiotic which protects their skin from little lesions and things. And the orange protects them from UV. Um, so Hippos sweat sunscreen? They sweat sunscreen and antibiotics. Does it only work for a hippo or if you managed to wipe a hippo, could you use their sweat as an antibiotic for your own cuts? 
I think that the answer to that question might be in the first part that not many people This is true That's why you don't have to give a warning not to do it at home Nobody's like, likely to do it I don't know but but maybe I mean there's all of these amazing things in nature that I think you know and it's not that nature is there to be useful for us like these things are amazing in and of their own rights and, and I mean Because it's funny you don't think of other animals as being victims of sunburn you don't think of marine animals you don't think of usually large mammals as being Absolutely and in fact even research has looked at whales and whales are, seem to be vulnerable to sunburn and they can get skin diseases which are exacerbated by UV rays. And what they found in looking at whales, those that have darker pigment naturally seem to suffer from fewer abnormalities and, and can do better. Um, and they may even tan slightly. So whales that spend a lot of time in shallower tropical water may even get a tan. I wonder why there isn't then a correlation between whale colour and the locations in which they swim because orcas are jet black and they tend to be in northern and southern climes, don't they, rather than equatorial? Yeah, well, I mean, orcas think you get them in many different parts of the world, but 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 I mean, I suppose UV is only going to be one of the evolutionary pressures. You know, there's going to be a whole range of them. And, and I mean, I guess with, with every creature on Earth, you're going to see they're, they're the result of a whole range of different things which are which are producing the the species that we see today. The other one that has an interesting sunscreen that you wouldn't have thought about is mantis shrimp. Yeah, and this is this is again it, it's an amino acid that they have in their eyes and 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 we we see this in quite a lot of non-vertebrate marine mammals. It's an amino acid that we call again it's another one in nature sunscreens. But what's amazing is this pigment also filters so that they can have this incredibly sharp and complex vision underwater. So it's actually another dual purpose molecule. The mantis shrimp is the most amazing little fellow, isn't he? Yeah. While we are on the topic of um, uh, fish and marine life, the other interesting thing is to do with coral reefs and coral reef ecosystems because they're not only diverse in terms of of, uh, marine life, they're diverse in terms of microbes. Yeah, and, and this is something quite new. I mean, as you say, like we all know that coral reefs are sort of the the, the, the rainforest of the sea. You know, they, they have millions of species on them. In fact, there's probably nearly a third of all multicellular life on Earth is around coral reefs. Um, so, but but this is a new study, as you say, looking at the microbes. So it's called the, the Tara study. It's not nothing to do with Ireland, but it's the Tara study that went out around the Pacific Ocean. Um, and it went to over... a. Th- 100 kilometres of reef in all sorts of different countries. It went to nearly 250 locations and it picked up from the reefs um, nearly 60,000 samples of all sorts of different things. Water, um, little samples of marine life, plants, everything. They had a lab on the ship where they did a lot of analysis, but they also every six months shipped a big uh, sets of samples to labs all over the world to look at. And some of the work was done in the Sorbonne in Paris. And, And as you say, they were looking at the microorganisms and there had had been estimates that there was, you know, in, in a big sample of reef, there was maybe about 50,000 different types of microbes living in, in a big reef. This team, they used a sort of PCR-based technique, that thing we all learned about during COVID, where you amplify DNA sequences. They use something called metabarcoding, where you can look at millions and millions of things all at the same time by amplifying the DNA. They found more than half a million different types of microbes in these samples. Uh, so what we, we now, these researchers now think that there could be nearly three million different types of microbes living in coral, in, in coral reefs. And that's about the same as all the other microbial diversity on Earth. Which is both fascinating and worrying given the diminution of coral reefs around the world. 
Absolutely. And I mean, another fascinating thing they found, and this this comes to that point, is they actually found certain families of bacteria were associating specifically with certain types of corals. And these bacteria seem to be helping the corals to get nutrients. They're helping to protect them from pathogens and they may even be helping them to metabolise food. So, I mean, that's very interesting because that sets, you know, we hear about the microbiome. It's almost like there's a refome or a corallome, which is a particular set of microbes that's necessary for the health of a reef. But it's very good that we know that now because it's another thing that we can start to look at as we look at, you know, for, you know, some of the work to protect reefs is actually to create artificial reefs. But are we really creating reefs that mimic what we see in natural reefs if we're not having these microbes and this complex ecosystem? And it may explain why some of them have been a disaster. I mean, there was a dumping of, I think, nigh on a million tires off the uh, east coast of um, Florida in the US in the 1980s in the expectation that all that was needed was shelter for fish. But it, it goes to some way to explaining why things didn't grow on it if, if microorganisms don't exactly love vulcanised rubber. Exactly. And, you know, there's been mixed results when you look at things like the turb- the base of wind turbines, you know, so you think blue mussels and some species love that and they will colonise there. But, you know, perhaps we're not really mimicking the type of really complex ecosystems in coral reefs that have built up over years. But, you know, I always feel it's good when we know more about these things because, you know, we're, we're in a better position to do something about it. And of course, one of the one things that is a big concern with the reefs is the change, is climate change and the temperature impacts in the oceans and what's that doing to the reefs. Do we know whether or not these bacteria are likely to be sensitive to those temperature and climate changes? I mean, Inevitably, if the, if the changes are big enough, they, they will be. Um, and this was the challenge for, for climate and for marine now. I mean, we've seen the ocean temperatures gone up by, we've pretty much hit a degree now. We've seen huge warming in the Atlantic, particularly. We're also seeing a drop in oxygen levels uh, at the same time. So, so, you know, all of these changes are happening much, much more quickly than species are able to, to respond to. Because evolution, of course, happens over many, many millions of years in many cases and, and these these changes are happening. And I'm right in saying that the degree change, while that may be the net change overall, that can have major impacts on things like ocean currents and therefore have micro, much more significant impacts in specific areas. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the, the one degree, and it's very hard to measure these things, you know, because they change, but you're absolutely right. You know, it, it has an impact on currents and we're possibly also facing into an El Nino this year where we may get an additional spike on top of that. So, you know, that the, 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 there's a, there's a, the planet's being, being buffeted at the moment for sure. Ruth, as always, thank you very much. That is Dr. Ruth Freeman who is Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance weekdays at 9am on News Talk.